it is. It's me. It's TRG, the rambling gambler, wheeling, dealing, jet flying, limousine riding, tiger eye ring wearing, son of a plumbing salesman, back from Las Vegas and back with all of you as the host of episode 97 of our Casino Combat Podcast. Once again, coming to you recorded live without a studio audience from the glorious Casino Combat Studios in Parts Unknown. If this is your first time with us, welcome. And let me tell you something absurd. Let me tell you something that many people do not believe. You can consistently win the game of casino gambling. You can consistently walk into a casino, do some gambling, and walk out with more money than you entered with. As I said, some people think that is absurd and don't believe it. And as a result of that, I need to do this. Ladies and gentlemen, non-binary beings, Lola Bunny and Daisy Duck, this podcast discusses casinos and gambling. Do not gamble with money you cannot afford to lose. Do not gamble with money you need to pay bills. If you have a gambling problem, contact your local problem gambling hotline. If you do not know how to contact your local problem gambling hotline, send an email to help at casinocombat.com. We will find that number for you and provide it to you. My past performances are not indicative of anyone's future results, including my own. All materials presented here are based on actual facts, names, and dates are changed to protect the innocent and the guilty. Some events unrelated to outcomes may be omitted in the interest of brevity and clarity. Okay, that's out of the way. That's done. Let's cover some stuff the squad has going on in the Casino Combat Galaxy. First up, big thank you to Lana and Trace for guest hosting episode 96 of our Casino Combat podcast. Trace's Casino Nomad's idea, love that he spells it with a K, love that uh, his Casino Nomad's idea is an interesting idea, kind of like people who retire and sell their stuff and just live on cruise ships. Very interesting idea. Next up, Inner Circle member East Coast Emissary recently spent some time in Atlantic City playing blackjack with media personality Megan Kelly. She is working on building an audience for her podcast, so ECE has extended her an open and written invitation to hang out in the Casino Combat Virtual VIP Lounge anytime she would like to do that. We will see if she decides to be a member of the squad and take us up on that offer. That would be... Let's be honest, that would be an amazing and, and fun bit of, uh, bit of conversation to have. Next up, related somewhat to how I opened the episode. T-Rex recently got into a bit of an online scrum that ended in a, a fun way. Quick thinking on his feet, uh, or on his keyboard. T-Rex is part of a Facebook group called Vegas Tips and Tricks. And it's lots of people asking lots of questions, lots of first-timer questions, lots of how far is it from here to here, and someone asked about gambling advice, and multiple people replied with a plan on how much to lose each day, and don't go to the ATM after you lose, and pick your slot machines and do just a little bit at a time so that you lose slowly over the course of the day. That kind of stuff. And everything based on the assumption that losing is the only option. So T-Rex made a comment that deciding what your win goal was in relation to, to your budget was a good strategy. And he suggested trying to win like 50% of your gambling budget for the day and then stop. That's kind of the direction he was going in with his post. Trying to kind of offset this assertion that you were going, you were going to lose. That's what's going to happen. Just figure out how you wanted to lose. And he was attacked. He was told that casinos don't get built by people winning. And he said, true, but people do win and, and that's okay. You just need to know how. And the attacks continued. Just multiple people. Everyone knew that you could not win. You just needed to plan how to lose. Blah, 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 blah. And everyone's getting more and more worked up. 
And the calmer T-Rex was in asserting that you could know how to win and trying to explain that knowing how to win was an important starting point. People just got more agitated and kept coming at him. And this one guy gets more and more aggressive, more and more confrontational, more and more angry. And finally T-Rex, and this was brilliant on his part, and finally T-Rex posts back, dude, you are drunk in the bar yelling at Tom Brady that winning a Super Bowl is impossible. Just because you can't win doesn't mean Tom can't win. T-Rex continues, I do sound editing for Feed Post's number one must-listen-to-gambling podcast for 2022. We know how to win and will willingly teach you how if you will just stop arguing. Great line. I love that. You are drunk, to- drunk yelling at Tom Brady that he can't win. <laughs> Just a, a, a brilliant line, one I really had to had to share with you. T-Rex doesn't really get super involved with anything other than just, uh, you know, kicking ideas around with uh, me and Billy with the great last name and, and doing our edits and our sound for us. Uh, for us. But uh, I just thought that was a brilliantly clever line and, and one that uh, everybody in the squad needed to hear. And I've talked about mindset on several occasions, and this is a great illustration of that idea. First-time visitors to Las Vegas ask a supposed group of experts for gambling advice, and then the supposed experts start teaching the first-timer to assume they will lose and teaching them how to lose. The right mindset is, you can win, here are some ways to win, and it goes to that idea of having a winning mindset. Uh, one more item from the squad. Uh, since I mentioned Facebook, Billy with the great last name has built a group called Casino Combat Squad. It is growing. It is taking off. People are posting useful information about tier credit multipliers and their results using the Casino Combat Arsenal. If you use Facebook, I really encourage you join the group, hang out with everyone, meet your squad mates, share what you're doing, learn from others. We can all learn more. I learn more all the time and from everybody involved. I've said it many times, it is heartfelt, and I hope you know I mean it. I do not know everything about gambling. I just want to know everything about gambling. And I certainly learn from all of you, and I am open to the notes and corrections, and damn it, I mentioned social media. Damn. Um, <laughs> there are laws, there are rules. Um, we are also on Instagram and Twitter. Please like, star, share, review, comment, all on our stuff. Anytime you can spare those, we really need them. There, I followed the rules. Uh, thank you, everyone. You all do a great job of doing those things for us. We, we see it. We know it. We appreciate it. We really do. And jokes and shtick aside, it is how the squad grows. It is how more people find out about us and how more people find out about our squad and the fact that this podcast is where our squad meets. And our Instagram squad, just to kind of throw one more thank you in comment, our Instagram squad is a lot of fun. We are really getting to know each other. We're getting to know each other in ways other than just casino ways. It's a good group to hang out with. You know, find us and follow us on Instagram and you'll meet a lot of great people. You'll meet ECE and ACE and Inner Circle member, VCPD, Virginia Casino player, Doug, uh, great, great, great groups are forming there, and we would love you to be part of those groups, part of those places that the squads meet and hang out. And and then last thing, I did get a a, a note from Inner Circle member Gator Gambler, and he tells me that Trace was wrong. 
Chickie and Pete's in Las Vegas is not at Harrah's. It's at the Sahara. And he knows because that was his favorite strip casino for a while until some things went wrong. And I'm not going to argue. I'm, I'm not really sure. I mean, I know I saw Chickie and Pete's as part of my time on the strip this trip. And I know it was on the same side of the strip as both Harrah's and Sahara. So let's assume G squared was right and Trace was wrong that Chickie and Pete's is at Sahara. And now that Casino Combat has featured a commercial for them twice without compensation, I will say that I agree with Trace. Uh, a Chickie and Pete's cheesesteak is is a pretty, uh, pretty enjoyable sandwich, and I would love to have one again. All right, what are we going to talk about this episode? It's gonna, I'm going to keep it simple, and it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be short. I suspect I'm going to ramble a good bit. And I got a great teach for you. I got such a great teach for you. The galaxy revealed to me a flaw in TRG wagering system to always be grinding. And the galaxy demanded that I find a solution. Uh, kind of took over my brain a little bit and insisted. But I found it. I tested it. And today, in a core concept segment, I'm going to explain the solution to all of you. To my great surprise and delight... In our core concept segment, I'm going to share with you a new wagering system. After that, I'm going to do a travel segment and tell you about my somewhat unexpected trip to Las Vegas, and then we will finish up in the virtual VIP lounge. I have got a story for you from Las Vegas, one that should only be shared with friends in a VIP lounge. I'm hoping maybe some of Lana's sliders are left over in the virtual buffet. That, that would be great. So that's it. That's the battle plan. Three segments. Let's get started with a core concept segment. The core concepts of casino combat are the foundational ideas on which being good at the game of casino gambling are built. And I'm not going to do them today. I've done them, I've done them, I've done them. There is a blog post on the website. There is on our YouTube channel a playlist called Boot Camp. Boot Camp spelled with a K, of course, always spelled with a K. And in the Boot Camp playlist, I run down all the core concepts. Short, 10 or 15 minute lessons, no jokes, no stories, or at least the bare minimum of both of those. They're just a teaching tool that I did to lay out the core concepts for you in a very clear and concise way. And so those are all available. If you go to the website, you can read the blog post. If you go to the website, you will see the link to our YouTube channel. And if you're not familiar with the core concepts, go read about them on the website. Go listen to them on the boot camp playlist. Get up to speed on them. They are the beginning parts of your journey. Those are the, the pieces you need to start with. And one of the core concepts is to use a wagering system that includes progressive and regressive wagers. And a progressive wager is a wager that increases after a win or a series of wins. And a regressive wager is a wager that increases after a loss or a series of losses. And so what I'm going to do today is I am going to show you, much to my surprise, 
a new wagering system. And wagering systems are like Legos. You take all the important things. Those are like your bag of Legos. You have your bankroll. You have your progressive and regressive wagers. You have your positive and negative exit points. And you put them all together in whatever way you would like to be as aggressive or as conservative as you want to be. And, and that becomes your, your plan. One of the things I truly believe, the reason it's a core concept, the reason we have a core concept that is use a wagering system is that I don't think you can just guess your way through it. I don't think you can guess your way to success. One of the things I know is you cannot have sustained success betting one unit, one unit, one unit, one unit, one unit. You are not going to have sustained success doing that unless you are just trying to get ahead one unit and walk away as quickly as possible. It is very, very difficult to have sustained success betting one unit at a time and not going up or down as a result of wins or losses. And I've never seen anybody do it consistently and do it well with random bets. And I know a lot of gamblers really well, particularly at my local casino. I've watched a lot of people play for a lot of years. I have known some people at my local casino for more than 10 years, and I have watched them play. I have played with them for hours at a time. I don't know anybody who's successful betting one unit at a time, and I don't know anybody who is successful just randomly deciding, oh, I feel like I should bet more, I feel like I should bet less, and just randomly moving around. I've just never seen it. I do know somebody that just comes in with a whole big bag of money, not literally a whole bag of money. I did see that guy in... uh, uh, at, at another casino once, but who comes in with a big pile of money and knows they are going to martingale, and if they lose seven in a row, they're going to lose that whole stack of cash. I do know that. Somebody that does that and does it well. Uh, Kindred Spirit's a great guy, and that's his plan coming in. His wagering plan is, I am going to martingale, which means every bet is going to be, tw- every losing, after every losing bet, I'm going to bet twice as much until I win, and then I'm going to start over. You know I like using bits and pieces of that. I just am not comfortable with losing until I've lost it all and 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 with the bets the size that they get, nor am I happy at blackjack with the idea that I might make a bet almost to the table max and have to split it and split it and double it and double it. That, those numbers just get really, really big, really, really fast. So I believe you have to have a wagering system, a wagering plan, a wagering template, whatever you want to call it, and I believe it has to have these other components to, to work and work well. And I've shown you a couple of these. I've shown, shown you TRG Wagering System 1, which is very, very simple. And it, it, in its simplest form, when you lose, if you lose, you go to two units. If you lose again, you go to four and a half units. And then if you lose again, you cut off your martingale and you leave. And if you win at any of those points, you, you make the, the one unit bet again. And if you make a one unit bet and win it twice, you go up by a half unit. That's pretty simple. And and I use that for years and it works and it works fine. It works really well if you can just move from table to table, casino to casino. It's a great way to roam through Vegas or Atlantic City. And then I showed you TRG Wagering System 2, which I've played for probably, I'm going to say five or six years, something like that. That was a revision to TRG Wagering System 1 to handle limited casinos and limited tables and let you stay at a table and try to grind out a win. TRG Wagering System 2 
Always Be Grinding is covered in episode 62 and episode 63. And I'm not going to go over TRG Wagering System 2 in any detail here. If you are listening for the first time and you are not familiar with wagering TRG Wagering System 2, Always Be Grinding, it would probably be in your best interest to go back, listen to episode 62 and 63, and then come back and listen to the rest of this episode. This is all going to make more sense if you are familiar already with TRG Wagering System 2, Always Be Grinding. There are flow charts, complements of East Coast Emissary, Inner Circle member East Coast Emissary, ECE, has made flow charts or decision trees, whatever you want to call them, for both TRG Wagering System 1 and TRG Wagering System 2. They're on the website, casinocombat.com, combat spelled with a K. They are in the Fred section, and they are there thanks to ECE and, and his efforts to, to provide additional resources for the entire squad. I do not change wagering systems easily or often. I I just I don't believe in in making them and then tinkering them and tink- I think you have to play them for a long time to uh, to get through the ups and downs to get through the things that seem like they're just going horribly to get through the things that seem like they're just going perfectly and this is the best thing ever. So I I don't change these very often. I played TRG wagering system one for a couple decades, a decade and a half, as I said, five or six years now on TRG wagering system two. And I had no intent of changing TRG Wagering System 2. I was convinced prior until just very, very recently that TRG Wagering System 2 was perfect. I had invented it. I had tested it. I had played it with tremendous success. Layer in the Meta Martingale. I was convinced it was perfection. It was the top of the mountain in wagering systems, at least for me. And then the galaxy showed me I was wrong. Uh, and I'm using that as a metaphor. I, I, I am using that as a metaphor. What I'm saying here is that through the process of just playing the always be grinding wagering system, the wagering template over and over and over the game, the galaxy, the process of gambling showed me a pattern, caused me to notice a pattern. I noticed that I would often win and lose the same one chip over and over. In fact, it, it was when I said it to the dealer, when I said to a dealer for the third time in like a couple of weeks, oh, this is ridiculous. I just keep betting and losing and then I bet and you give me the same chip back. And we do that over and over. We've been sitting here for almost half a shoe and all we've done is push the same one chip back and forth. And I said that multiple times. And I, I kind of thought in the moment, well, that's just, that's the grind part of it. That's why you built this this way, TRG. That's why you made this. You lose a hand, you make a one unit bet, you win a hand, you're back to your starting 10 unit play stack, you're repeating. That's that's the grind. That You just got to live with that. That's just the grind. But uh, my brain didn't like that answer. My, my brain just did not like that answer. My mind did not like the idea that there was this thing recurring and what I was doing just didn't handle it. It just went, oh, well, live with it. And and the game kept showing it to me. The galaxy kept showing it to me. And I kept thinking, well, TRG Wagering System 1 handles this perfectly. It handles it absolutely perfectly. But the downside is if you lose three in a row, you're gone. You're walking away. You're, you're, you're jumping from table to table and, and you're in the same building and there aren't always seats available and they're not always the players you want to play with and sometimes they're dealers you'd rather not have as dealers. 
it, it, TRG doesn't TRG one does not handle those situations well. TRG wagering system two always be grinding doesn't handle lose one win one lose one win one well, and it's bugging me because TRG wagering system two handles so many other things so well. But in that scenario, you're just making nothing. You have a lot more staying power with TRG two. You can handle losing streaks. You can handle those losing streaks of four and five and six hands and recover from them with TRG Wagering System 2 always be grinding. That's what it's there for. That's what I built it for. And then it's just bugging me that I don't handle this other situation well and my other wagering system handles it well. Now that I've seen this, now that the Casino Combat Galaxy has revealed this to me, now that I've been shown this flaw in always be grinding, I can't unsee it. I, 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 I can't unsee it. And I'm, I'm almost obsessing about the idea that I've got to solve this. I've got to invent a solution. Now, as I said, I like TRG Wagering System 1 a lot in situations where I can just bounce from table to table. If I'm in Vegas, if I'm in Atlantic City, it works well. It works really well. In fact, it's what I built it for. But it also doesn't earn tier credits as well as TRG Wagering System 2. It doesn't earn tier credits as well as Always Be Grinding. And tier credits are an important part of this. And it doesn't work well if you only have one casino available, as I've said, if you only have limited tables available, and it's just continuing to bug me that neither system is perfect. And it's bugging me that the galaxy has shown me this flaw in my greatest creation. And I am obsessing about the fact that I have to solve this and I'm not finding a solution. I, I can't reconcile it. I can't invent something else that, that's going to solve this without... Every time I think I've figured it out, I find another reason it doesn't work. And I'm just mentally stuck on it. And I'm going through it, and I'm going through it, and I'm going through it. And eventually it hits me. Eventually I understood what the galaxy was trying to show me. And in fact, I kind of feel stupid for the amount of time it took me to figure it out. But I did figure it out. And today I have for you TRG Wagering System 4. Something I didn't know I needed. Something, if you've been playing my systems, something you didn't know you needed because if you know you needed it, you'd have figured it out and told me and saved me a lot of uh, anguish and, and mental anguish, I mean. Uh, so I have TRG Wagering System 4 to show you today, to share with you today. ECE once said that I should have called TRG Wagering System 2 always be, uh, I should have called it capture your wins instead of always be grinding. And so, kind of as a result of that, kind of as a tribute to that thought process, I am calling TRG Wagering System 4, Win More, Keep More. I, I really like that. TRG Wagering System 4, Win More, Keep More. I thought about calling it the Holy Grail of Wagering Systems. I thought about calling it the penultimate wagering system. I thought about calling it the mountaintop of wagering systems. And I'm going to go with Win More, Keep More. Because there is always the possibility that there is a TRG Wagering System 5 that I don't know about yet that's going to be better than this. So we are going to hold off on calling this the Holy Grail. We're going to hold off on calling this the penultimate wagering system. We are going to hold off on giving it some huge, grandiose title on the possibility that two years from now that will seem very silly because I will have invented something better. So win more, keep more is a modification of always be grinding, 
that's modified by putting just a tiny bit of TRG wagering system one into it at a key point. So you need to understand always be grinding in order to understand TRG wagering system four, because I am not going to do that episode all over again. It's sitting out there for you, but you need to understand always be grinding to understand TRG wagering system four, win more, keep more. And I'm going to discuss all of this as a blackjack wager since blackjack offers the wager with the smallest house advantage and making wagers with the smallest possible house advantage with the minimum house advantage is also a core concept. If you are using TRG wagering system for win more, keep more at a Baccarat table or on don't pass on a craps table, you can tinker a little bit with both buy-in amounts and with your increases on the progressive side since you don't have to account for doubles and splits. But for this discussion, I'm going to assume that the game involved, that the wager involved, is a standard blackjack wager at a 3-2 to two blackjack table. Like always be grinding, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of do all the parts that don't change really quickly, and then I'm going to discuss the part that does change, the parts that, that change. So like always be grinding, our buy-in is going to be 10 units, 10 of our starting wager size, whatever your starting wager size is going to be times 10. And like always be grinding, like all my wagering systems, I am going to tell you that you need to bankroll that is three times minimum. If you're not doing Meta Martingale, it is three times that buy-in. So you need 10 units as your buy-in, and you need three of those if you are not using the Meta Martingale, and you know that you need a lot more than that if you're doing the Meta Martingale. We've talked about that for a very long time. It is in episode 64, by the way, among other episodes. I've talked about it recently, but it is also covered in episode 64. So 62, 63, 64 is the trilogy of episodes that discusses Always Be grinding. Shows you always be grinding, talks about regrouping with always be grinding, and then layers the Meta Martingale on top of always be grinding. So we will have a 10 unit starting buy-in. That will be our play stack. We will have a separate win stack. And we will use our play stack as an abacus to show us our next bet. We will restack our play stack after each winning wager to determine if we've won one unit and we will put that one unit in our win stack like both trg wagering system one and trg wagering system two the progressive wagers will start after two wins in a row and adding a chip to the win stack that is our trigger that is our starting point for increasing our wager after a win or a series of wins, and we will increase by half a unit after each win, going no higher than two and a half units if we are playing blackjack. If you are playing Baccarat or craps, you can continue to go up half a unit for as long as you want, because you are never going to have to split and double and split and double and, and have the bet get out of control on you. Our positive exit point isn't going to change. As I approach a 10-unit win, as I get to that 8, 9, 10-unit win, I'm starting to think about leaving. I'm starting to prepare to leave with something while at the same time being willing to continue to play as long as I continue to 
add to my win stack, I want to keep playing. So all of that is the same. Everything I've talked to you for approaching 100 episodes, which is crazy, but as we approach 100 episodes, all those things I've talked about for both wagering systems, those are all still true. Those are all still part of this. I am not modifying that. So all of that is the same. We're going to do all of that the same way. Let me tell you about the two things that change. The two differences that make this better. The two things that we change when we go from always be grinding to TRG wagering system for win more, keep more. First, the negative exit point is going to change from seven units to eight units. We are going to play until our win stack only has two units available. And yes, that means sometimes it is going to happen that we are going to need to double or split and pull part of that off or other variations. But, you know, the, the, the starting point of the process is the intent to leave when you have lost eight units. That leaves us a few chips if a split or double is needed on the last bet. It still has us using discipline to leave the table with a few chips, not betting everything at any point. It still creates the situation where having lost eight units, we have, say, a five-unit win stack and we are getting up and walking away from the table with just a very small loss, a very manageable loss, a loss that we can recover with. But we need that one more unit and we need that um, to handle the most significant change, a change to the regressive wagering process. This is when we go up after a loss and how much we go up after a loss. Those are regressive wagers and that is the most significant change. I'm going to take a small piece of TRG wagering system one, the great unknown. Is that what we're going to call that? Maybe we will. TRG wagering system one needs a name and maybe the name is the great unknown. I'm going to think about that a little bit. We'll see. We need a, we need a name for TRG wagering system one. Um, but I'm going to take a little small piece of TRG Wagering System 1 and I'm going to add it into TRG Wagering System 2. And I mentally think of it this way. Anytime that I start with 10 units in my play stack and take one unit off the stack as all or part of my wager, if I lose that bet, the next bet is two units. And if I lose that bet, then I drop back to a one unit bet and continue to make one unit bets until my play stack reaches two units, an eight unit loss, or until I win a hand. And then I increase my wagers just as I would when playing Always Be Grinding, TRG Wagering System 2. And I play that way until I have lost eight units from my play stack or until I have added one unit to my win stack. So situationally, I have a 10 unit play stack. I make a one unit wager. I lose it. Using TRG Wagering System 4, I am going to make a two-unit wager as my second wager. If I lose that, I'm back to a one-unit wager. I lose that. I'm making a one-unit wager. I win that. Now I'm betting two units. I'm winning that. I'm betting three units. And now I'm managing my wagers so that if I continue to win, I am going to win exactly one unit put that unit in my win stack and I'm back to a 10 unit play stack and I am back to repeating this process. So the first illustration of this is very easy. It's very, very simple, right? I make my one unit wager, I lose. I make my two unit wager, I win and I have a 10 unit play stack and I have added one to my win stack and now I lose 
and I make a two-unit wager, and I win, and my play stack is restored, and I've added one to my win stack. This is exactly what I want TRG Wagering System 4 to handle, because in TRG Wagering System 2, we would just sit there and lose, win, lose, win, lose, win, and just grind and never accomplish anything, never actually add to our win stack. Now note, we are adding one to our win stack regularly, but that is not triggering, that is not starting the progressive wager, because the progress, <laughs> easy for me to say, the progressive wager starts if we add to the win stack having one two in a row. We're not winning two in a row here. We are adding to the win stack, but we are not adding to the win stack after winning two in a row. That's when we start the progressive wager. So that is not going to start the progressive part of this. The second illustration is a little bit more complex. It took me a little time to wrap my head around it. It took me, it's taken me a little while to build that mental muscle memory on this one. It is a little more complicated, as I said. Suppose you win the first hand and you add one to the win stack. Your play stack is 10. You make a one-unit wager. You win again. Now you've won two in a row, and you've added to your win stack. That starts the progressive part of the wager. Your next bet is one and a half units. One unit from your play stack and half a unit from your win stack. That's the way we do that. The progressive increases to our wager come both from the play stack and from the win stack. So you win that one and a half unit wager. We go up by half. Your next unit is two units, one from your win stack and one from your play stack. Now remember the modification for from TRG Wagering System 2 to TRG Wagering System 4, the modification is any time that I start with 10 units in my play stack and take one unit off the stack as all or part of my wager, if I lose that bet, the next bet is two units. All the wagers on the progressive side fit that condition. The play stack starts at 10 units. You take off one as part of the wager and the progressive increase comes from the win stack. So anytime we are wagering on the progressive side in TRG wagering system four, win more, keep more. After any progressive wager is lost, the next wager will be two units from the play stack. That's the modification. And if you win that bet, you will have a complete 10 unit play stack and you will have one unit added to your win stack. If you lose, you revert to one unit bet and wager according to TRG wagering system to always be grinding. That part doesn't change. And that's it. That's the whole thing. I cannot believe that it took over and over and over the, the game of blackjack, the casino combat galaxy, whatever you want to call it. I can't believe it took me seeing that over and over and over for years. It took me seeing it over and over and over and remarking on it to realize that if I just made those two little changes, and the one is trivial, right? Our negative exit goes from seven units to eight units. That, that's, e that's a nothing. That's easy enough to remember. That one little tweak and that one little tweak to that second wager after losing the first wager, that solves everything. That solves the problem that the galaxy revealed to me. I have been testing it for over two months now. 
playing it consistently, seeing it in action. And I played a lot of blackjack in Philly. I played a lot of blackjack in Atlantic City. I played a lot of blackjack in Vegas, all using TRG wagering system for win more, keep more. It's a better system than always be grinding in almost all situations. And it's kind of painful to say that. It's not that always be grinding isn't a good system. It is. We've seen it win me a lot of money, but this is better. It generates more wins. It generates them more quickly on many, many tables. On a blackjack table, the only time it really hurts is when you make that two-unit second wager and then split or double and split or split and double and lose. I have had a situation where I ended up at, I ended up with three two-unit wagers as my quote second bet. I had to split, I had to split again, three wagers, all two units. I lost them all and now I'm down seven units after just a couple hands and I'm making one more one unit bet, which if I lose it, it puts me at my negative exit point of minus eight units. I've also had that happen and I've come back from it because I won the one unit bet. I won the two unit bet that followed it. I won the three unit bet that followed that. Then I think I had to make a two unit bet and then I have my profit and now we're right back at it. But I've also had it knock me off the table. That is just the nature of blackjack. That is just the way the game of blackjack works. Splits and resplits and doubles are either going to make a session or break a session. That is true regardless of what wagering process you are using, what wagering system you are using, however you're going about structuring your bets. If you split and split and double and split again and double and you don't win most of it, it's going to kind of ruin your night. And if you hit it, it's going to kind of make your night. Trace had a big big wager that he ended up splitting and doubling multiple times and it made his evening. He had a great evening as a result of it in Philadelphia. And I had the same thing happen the other way to me twice in Las Vegas, as you're going to hear in just a little while. I don't see that as a flaw of TRG wagering system four. I don't see that as a flaw in win more, keep more. It's just the nature of the game of blackjack. And for that one time that the second bet put me in a tough spot, I've had table after table where the second bet is a blackjack or a split or double that paid off twice what it would have using always be grinding. It's fine. If you don't like that aspect of the game of blackjack, take a slightly larger uh, house advantage, play a game with a slightly larger minimum house advantage, play Bach, play pass, don't pass on craps. Either way, that, that'll work just fine. I'm happy with this new wagering system. It took a little while, as I said, to build new mental habits. At the beginning, I had to use the, the play stack abacus just a little more. I had to remind myself a little more. I still have to remind myself that the next bet after a loss on the progressive side may in fact be larger than the bet I just made. But TRG Wagering System 4, win more, keep more, is a very good way to put the Legos together. I expect I'll be using it for years to come. Next up, Vegas, baby. Let's do a travel segment. I can't wait to tell you all about my trip. So this is a travel segment, but this travel segment is also a bit of a story. And like any TRG rambling story, you need the story about the story to set up the story that I'm going to tell. So this is all about uh, the block of time 
between the end of our anniversary trip, uh, the end of my trip to Las Vegas, which is about a nine-day span, I guess, sort of. It's a little hazy, folks. So, so let me explain how how we ended up with this Vegas trip stuck into a part of my life where it didn't necessarily make a lot of sense. So Mrs. TRG and I are uh, starting our anniversary trip and we're sitting in a hotel room and uh, doing a little happy hour and um, I'm going through my emails on my phone and I have an invitation from the Tropicana in Las Vegas, which is a My Choice property and one that I've stayed at a couple times and gambled at a few times. It is... In a convenient location on the Strip, it is an older property. It is historically an interesting property. It's not an amazing property by modern standards. The casino is small. The choices are limited. Uh, some great restaurants, though. Great rooms. We had a lot of fun there. But I get the invitation to this blackjack tournament, and it's possible to win $100,000 in the final round. Uh, pre-pandemic mostly, not so much lately, but pre-pandemic, I would regularly get invited to blackjack tournaments in Las Vegas where the final 10 people split a couple thousand dollars. And I am not going to go through the time, expense, and effort of traveling across two time zones and all of the airfare and everything that's involved to have a chance with 10 other people to divide $2,000. It's just not worth the effort. I would certainly go to my home casino, Casino 2, uh, two hours east and south of our home to do that. I would do that for sure at Casino 1. I would do that for sure at my local casino, but I'm not getting on a plane, paying air, uh, airport transfers and, and all of that for a chance at $2,000 in Las Vegas. But 100000 a chance at 100000 that's a little more interesting. That got my attention. And I start looking at the details and looking at when the tournament is. And you can enter the tournament with $200 cash or by earning 500 tier credits. Maybe it was 250 but there was a block of tier credits you needed to earn. And you had 24 hours to earn them on a Thursday. Then registration was on Friday and the tournament was on Saturday. And so we're talking about this and it seems like a good idea. And we've been winning a lot of money all summer. And Mrs. TRG's point of view was kind of twofold. Her first point was, you are a professional gambler and a podcaster. You've proved that. This will be good content. And this seems like the kind of thing that a professional gambler and podcaster would do. So that was her first point. And then her question was, approximately what percentage of your winnings for the last three months after expenses is it going to cost for you to go to Las Vegas? Because I can't go. I have this to do to get my classroom ready. I have this meeting. I have this appointment. I have this. I have this. I can't go. School is going to be starting. But what percentage of winnings is it going to cost for you to go do this? And so I pulled up a couple spreadsheets and did a little math. And I said, you know, depending, I got to book the flights, got to see what I can get comped. But it looks like 2%-ish, 2 3% of winnings at most are, are going to go into doing this. And she says, well, I think you should do it. So this tournament is it's just, it's way from now. It's, it's, it's weeks and weeks and weeks from now, this tournament. 
you know? So it's way out in the future, but airfare hotel. So I check and I can get most of the nights comped at Bally's, not my first choice. Location's great, but not my first choice of properties. But because there's a preseason NFL game, Fridays and Saturdays are a little tough to get. But I can get, see, there. here's the trick, right? Here's where it starts to get interesting, and I didn't realize it till after the fact. I need to earn points on Thursday to get into the tournament for free, which means I need to get there on Wednesday. And I need to be there on Friday to register for the tournament. I need to be there on Saturday to play in the tournament. Sunday flights back are hard to get, bad times, and expensive. Once again, see previous note, NFL preseason game on Saturday. So I end up booking myself with a flight out on Wednesday that gets me to Las Vegas by mid-afternoon on Wednesday, just about the right time to check in. And by flying back on Monday, I get a decent flight, decent set of flights that should get me home before midnight. And that's the best I can find at a price I'm willing to pay. And Bally's is going to comp me Wednesday night and Thursday night. They're going to charge me just a little bit for uh, Friday night, a reasonable amount on Saturday. And then I'm going to switch to the MGM Grand on Sunday because they're willing to comp me Sunday night and they're going to give me a resort credit to buy some meals with and a small amount of free slot play. So that all looks great. I booked that all the first day uh, before our anniversary trip has really started and then kind of mentally put it on the shelf because I was focused on enjoying the time with my wife and enjoying our time on the East Coast and, and doing all of those kinds of things and it's just it's done. I'm just going to go to Las Vegas and play for this tournament weeks from now, weeks and weeks and weeks from now. And as we kind of extend our trip, we added a day here and we added a day there and stopped at our home casino, Casino 2 on the way back. And I realized that I'm going to get back kind of late on Saturday. I'm going to have all day Sunday to kind of regroup, sort out laundry, sort out my, my work life. Then I'm going to have to really crush it. Monday, Tuesday in my real world work because Wednesday I'm gone again till the following work Tuesday. I'll be back at work on Tuesday. So I'm going to have been gone from my real job for like eight days, have two days back and then be gone again for seven days. Doable. I had to get a lot of work in and Then I didn't take a break in the sense that I was working those long days of real IT stuff and then still stopping at the casino like it's a job locally and getting my free stuff and collecting my day's pay and doing all that. So I pushed through that really hard. And in part of that, part of those tasks, part of that Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, when I was working a bunch of IT stuff and and still doing my casino job and all of that, Mrs. TRG points out that she's going to be doing some gambling. She has some things she needs to do locally, gifts that she needs to get, nice gift cards, nice free bets, that she's going to be doing some gambling, and she's going to be doing it without me. And so she wants me to make sure that that her casino purse is set with enough cash that she can function on her own and do the things she needs to do to keep up her end of things. And so I did that. And, you know, she also wanted me to make sure that some bills were paid. And, and then, you know, things were just right for me to be gone again. And so I got all that done and head off to Las Vegas. And I've gotten spoiled a little bit. You may remember, if you've been a longtime listener, my first trip during the pandemic, 
not my first trip, my second trip. I went with the young squire and he was paying for the airfare and I wanted it to be a nice trip for him. And I got us a Tesla town car to, to take us from the airport to the hotel and back. And I, and I, I like that. It, it, it just makes the whole thing seem fun, special, luxurious, and easy. And it's more expensive than taking a cab, and it can be more expensive than Uber. Uh, I'm kind of just over the Uber getting in a stranger's car at random thing. And I'm kind of just over the, depending on who else wants to move at the same time, Uber may be more expensive thing. And maybe it's that I'm getting old, and maybe it's that I feel like I've been making a lot of money. But I, uh, I called a limousine company and told them just to send, they had town car for X dollars. And then they had premium luxury town car for like X plus $25. And then they had Tesla town car for slightly more dollars. And then they had a Tesla Gullwing SUV for like twice as much money. And so I just said, you know, called them and set up the base town car to pick me up and let me stop for supplies and and drop me off at Bally's and then pick me up at MGM Grand and take me back. And now the cool part is, you know, guy meets me at the baggage carousel, grab my bag right out to the car, and we walk by a couple things that I would consider town cars. And he walks me right up to a Gullwing Tesla and loads my bags. And uh, we we make the uh, the required supply stops on the way to the hotel, and I check into my Bally's comped room that has no resort fees, and we're off and ready to go. But in reality, in hindsight, I spent a, a good bit of money just getting into the city, you know, between the airfare and the limo and the tips to everybody involved in the supplies, I I spent a good bit. So I looked around just a little bit in the Bally's area there, looked around a little bit in Bally's, a little bit in Paris, and quickly found that things were exactly as I expected. The Strip is largely unplayable. For the most part, 3 to 2 Blackjack is hard to find, and if you find it, it's expensive. And so that means craps, or that means Baccarat, maybe just Baccarat just bores me. So after a quick look around, I decided I'm just going to go down to Circa. I'd like to, the kind of the plan is that unless the strip flips back, the next couple trips to Las Vegas, either me or me and Mrs. TRG is going to be based on the strip, take the free stuff, enjoy the shows, enjoy the restaurants, and accept that there's a cost of taking a cab once in a while down to focus on Circa and the D. They're part of the same reward system and try to get in good with them so that we can maybe split between an MGM property on the Strip and Circa maybe starting next summer. So down to Circa, love it. It's adults only. It's beautiful. It's modern in the physical sense. It's high end in the, the bars and restaurants and finishes and, and that kind of stuff. And at the same time, it's old school strip Vegas. Three to two blackjack, even if it's a $10 table. No side bets to slow the game down. Great rules, even at the lowest level of play. Three to two, all of that. Then we throw in that we've got go-go dancers as blackjack dealers in a lot of the pits at night. It's just fun all the way around. And I had a great evening. Won a couple days pay. 
had a long stretch at several different tables, so got a lot of tier credits that should turn into lots of good things for future visits. It was great. And then in reality, I spent a bunch of the winnings on tips and cabs and getting back and forth. And I had already spent a bunch of money, as I said, on supplies and tips coming in. So while I did win more than a couple days pay, I also spent a good, a bit, a good bit of money during the day. Through the whole time in Vegas, I, I did a good job of getting to bed at decent times most nights. Most nights. We'll get to that. Um, getting up and getting a real breakfast to start things off. I tried to pay attention to that. It's it's something I've become more aware of. And I had to go to Tropicana because now we're down to the business part of this, right? And if you think about it, a lot of this just was business. A lot of this just was the business of casino combat. A lot of it was just the business of the podcast. Get settled in. Take advantage of my comps, see what the, I had to offer at Bally's, which is a Caesars property, not much, much work on stuff down at Circa, both to win cash and to earn future comps and benefits to build that relationship. Then Thursday, down to Tropicana, because I had to get enough tier credits, enough tier points from gambling to get a free tournament entry. And craps was my, my choice going in. I'm thinking craps, hang out all day. And that's the best place to get points. And I didn't think there'd be much blackjack to be played. And the craps table's empty all day. Nobody playing. And I just didn't want to stand there by myself. And yeah, maybe I could have been the guy that got the table started. But I was just not going to sit there and chuck dice all day to get points. And they did have, to my surprise, against my expectations, they did have a 3-2 to two double deck blackjack game. And so I was able to do several meta Martingale cycles there. Not ideal, just from the point of view that it's a it's a double-deck game. It's five players. Normally it's full because they only had about three tables open total. It was the only three-to-two table. And it's double-deck, and they're cutting out almost a half-deck to protect themselves against card counters. So it goes quick, and then there's a hand shuffle. Quick, and then there's a hand shuffle. But it was the best choice. I made the best of it. I was able to do several Martin G Meta Martingale cycles there. Now, entering the tournament with cash costs $200. So any win, getting the points, or any loss less than $200 to get the points was a win. And that's the way I was treating it. I was willing to lose a little money or lose some money on a Meta Martingale cycle and then win it back if I needed to, as long as I finished with the points and with a win or a loss of less than $200, it was a win. And I made some allies while hanging out at the table. In, in particular, a gentleman named Ziggy and a woman named Sue, and they just both happened to be staying at the Tropicana, and they'd been told about the tournament when they checked in, and that, so they were trying to get points and they wanted to play. Really interesting people really fun. We spent a lot of time at that three to two double deck table. We got to know each other fairly well. And I played an interesting final table that I kind of want to pull out and, and, and tell you about. And you're going to hear about this a couple different ways from a couple different points of view. But I'd been tracking my play for the day. I had a picture from the app on my phone of the points I started with. I knew how many points I needed to earn. I'd been kind of watching how much I was earning for my play as I checked in and out of the blackjack table as I did some slot play and lost some money playing slots. And I knew I needed about another 20 minutes or so to get me enough points for a free tournament entry the next day. And I was up a little for the afternoon at this point. Not much, but a little. And I, I went on a run. 
I went, you know, just winning lots of hands in a row, pressing my bets up on the progressive side, hit a day's pay number for that cycle after about 30 minutes of playing with Ziggy and Sue. And I kind of, we got to the end of the double deck and I colored up to leave. And Ziggy says that thing that I always want to hear. He says, oh, you're leaving? And that always tells me that I hit the exit. It was interesting because, you know, during the tournament proper, Ziggy said to me, that's when I knew you were a better player than me. That's when I knew you were good. You won a bunch, you stacked your chips and walked away. And and good players know how to do that. And I thought that was a, a tremendous compliment from someone I, I had just met. I going to remember that one for a while. So I'd had enough double deck at this point. I didn't need more Tropicana points. I knew from walking around Bally's and Paris and Planet Hollywood in the morning before and after breakfast that I wasn't going to find any three to two blackjack in those buildings for less than $100 a hand. And I'm feeling pretty bulletproof at this point, right? I've been winning and winning and winning. I'm in Las Vegas on winnings. And I decided to just use TRG wagering system for win more, keep more without the meta martingale part at $100 tables. I've been winning for months. I can play at that level. I'd get more tier credits. Yeah, I'd have bigger swings and win less consistently because I wouldn't have the meta martingale. But that was the made-up plan on the fly for the rest of the afternoon and the evening on the strip. And notice, just take note here, that nowhere in that process did I actually count money. I didn't calculate a bankroll size. I didn't do any of that. I've been winning for months and I got this. Piece of cake. So off to MGM I go. I look all over. I cannot find a $100 table anywhere. I can't find a high limit room. I can't find a sign for a high limit room. Cannot find, as I said, three to two blackjack anywhere. Even a closed table with the words on the felt. So I finally ask a pit boss and they say, oh, sure, sure, sure. You just want to find the mansion. That's what we call our high limit room. You just need to find the mansion. You'll find plenty of three, two blackjack there. Well, they were right. I followed the signs to the mansion. And I walked through the mansion, which was a beautiful space to play in. Really cool space. Really cool high limit room. And there was plenty of three to two blackjack at your choice of $500 or $1,000 a hand. Nope, that that's uh, that's not me. I'm that's uh, that's that's not the level that I'm that I'm currently trying to play at. It's not cool. Off to New York, New York, I go over the bridge, down the thing, over the bridge, up and over into the casino, down the escalators into the casino, and I find their high limit room. And there are a few people playing video poker, but no tables are open. And I ask, and I'm told that they should open around 8 p.m. when the night shift comes in, so probably by 9 there'll be tables. Now, that's not what I'm expecting. My local casino has between four and eight high limit tables open all day, every day. I was not expecting a strip casino from the MGM brand to have no high limit tables open at all. And I'm a bit frustrated at this point. I'm on the MGM end of the strip. I've been in town 26 hours. I have not earned any MGM tier points. So I played some craps and lost. Played a couple slot machines and lost. And grabbed a cab and went back to my home base at Bally's to clean up a bit and get a bite to eat. And their high limit pit was closed. So I wandered over to Cromwell and played a bit of free bet blackjack at 6 to 5 out of boredom. 
And honestly, you're going to hear some things tied back to this day, tied back to this sequence of events in a little bit. You should never be playing out of boredom. This is a mistake on my part. It really is. Now, I find that I like free bet blackjack if it pays three to two. I'm giving up a little house advantage. I'm giving the house a little more of an advantage for me. But the basic strategy is easier to remember than regular blackjack, and you don't risk any of your own bankroll on splits or doubles. When you get to that pressed up on the progressive side, two and a half unit bet, or on the regressive side, that three unit bet, and suddenly you're splitting eights three times and doubling once, none of it's your money. So if it goes south, you're just losing one bet. And so I like that part of it. But as I said, this was playing out of boredom and because I just really enjoy hanging hanging out in the Cromwell and having some drinks. It's kind of different from some casinos. The ceilings aren't real tall. It's not real light. It's not real bright. It's kind of a dim, dusky, leather, wood, low light, just chill out, have fun kind of place. And that's great. That's It's always great to play in really cool spaces and really cool places. But the real me, the TRG behind the microphone me, would probably have pointed all of that and said, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Bad choices, bad choices, bad choices. So I keep wandering and I finally found what I'd been looking for all afternoon and evening at the Flamingo. And there were two $50, three to two blackjack tables open in their high limit room. Perfect, perfect, perfect. I could start at 50 and then Meta Martingale up one level to $100 a hand if I needed to. I had a lot of fun hanging out there the rest of the evening. Next day was Friday and I had to be at the Tropicana sometime between 4 and 7 p.m. to officially sign up for to register myself into the tournament. So I ended up just hanging around the Bally's part of the strip after breakfast, just winning a little money here and a little money there. An Inner Circle member, Equine Ensign, suggested that I might find the pace of bubble craps more suitable to using TRG Wagering System 2, always be grinding on the don't pass line, than the pace at a regular craps table. See, when you're at a regular craps table and you're doing TRG Wagering System 2 on the don't pass, you make a, a bet. And then you sometimes wait 15 or 20 minutes for that bet to resolve. And that's great if I'm just hanging out with Gabriel and having some bourbons and and passing some time. It's great if I'm doing it later in the evening at my home casino, Casino 2, because I've already won plenty of money for the day. And now I'm just getting some tier credits and hanging out and, and spending some time. But as an efficient way to win money, take out all the have fun social stuff out, just have fun have a process to efficiently win money, a regular craps table with always be grinding is a very long, very slow grind. So I started that bubble craps experience actually using TRG wagering system for win more, keep more because all the same ideas apply. All the same ideas that we talked about in the core concept segment still apply. And my method for the experiment right? Got that experimental bankroll for this. And my method was put $100 in the machine and then have a $10 unit size and try to win five units before I lost seven. It's a work in progress. I still haven't done it enough. I don't have enough reps to know if it's going to work or not work, but I did win more than I lost doing that process. And don't get hung up on the idea that $100 and I'm trying to win $50. Don't, Don't get hung up on that. 
because every bubble craps machine I've seen will take a wager up to $2,000. So if this works, if this works, it's fine. It becomes pick what you want to win basically up to, I'm going to say $5,000. No, that's not quite right. Pick what you want to win up to $500. And you should be fine. We'll refine that a little more. We'll refine that thinking if I continue to have success with it. But uh, I'm finding it very playable, very doable. And that's my experiment money. $100 to buy in, $10 unit size. Because I would just be bored doing it with $5 and a 50 cent unit size. I, I, you could. You could do it that way. But that that would be that would be boring. That would absolutely be boring. After doing all that, after spending the, the morning that way, I went to Tropicana, played some more 3-2 to two blackjack with Ziggy and Sue, and got registered for the tournament, got that all taken care of. And so at this point, I know what's on that end of the strip in terms of blackjack. And I am really have done enough craps to feel like I don't really want to do that. And so I take a cab to the Four Queens because they have a silver, they have two silver strike slot machines. I know I've mentioned this before, but let me mention it once again. I never knew this until about a year ago, but it used to be that all over Las Vegas, there were these silver strike slot machines, and they take like three quarters, two quarters, something like that, and if you get a silver strike symbol, they pay out, used to be solid silver, now they're silver and gold plated, they pay out in a special holder a big silver or silver and gold uh, coin, and uh, by the way, pictures on Instagram, we were talking about Instagram earlier, but they pay out these big silver or silver and gold coins that are custom made for the casino, and they change them apparently once a month, once a quarter. Now, they used to be all over. There's some people online that have collections of these going back decades from Planet Hollywood and Flamingo and Caesars, and my goodness, I wish I'd have known. I really wish I'd have known because I'd have been collecting these my my entire time. Right now, they're only at the Four Queens, and I've heard the plaza, although I haven't been down to the plaza to see them, but I've tried to remember when I'm in Las Vegas, I want to go down to the Four Queens, and I want to put 20 bucks in a silver strike machine, and I'm probably going to get one of those silver coins, and I've started collecting them. And they sell for more than 20 bucks on eBay, I'm pretty sure that I'm fine on that from a financial point of view. So I stopped at the Four Queens, played the Silver Strike machine, got a silver coin, went over to the D, played some blackjack there, and won some money there in the same reward system as Circa. It's a a three-property brand, the D, and Circa, and then one more property in town. Sorry, my my, uh, mental acuity is failing me on that one. But there are three casinos, all with the same brand. That's what makes it make sense to me as a downtown set of base properties. So played some at the D, won some money at the D. I love the fact that at the D, $25 is a high limit three to two table with great beverage service and great rules. And you can pretty much have a table to yourself because gosh, you're playing $25 a hand. You are a high roller at the D. And I walked down Fremont a little bit and had dinner at Flippin' Good Chicken and Burgers. And it was Flippin' Good. No question about that. And then I went over to Circa for more blackjack. I won many days pay during the evening and had a great time. Just one money, one money, one money, one money. And and as I think I said earlier, it's just, I instantly feel right at home. It's just old school Vegas, old school strip Vegas, except downtown 
with all the things that you used to get from gambling at places like Flamingo or Cromwell or Harrah's or Bellagio or that kind of stuff that you just don't get anymore. And I'm probably putting Circa over more than they deserve without me getting a, a commercial credit, but that's fine. I got a good night's sleep. Next day was tournament day. I played some craps in the morning. Since again, no decent blackjack available. Won some money. Made my way down to the Tropicana. And my allies, Ziggy and Sue, were in rounds before me in the tournament. So I was able to learn from what they went through. And what I found out was that in the later rounds, the entries had been small enough that I only had to beat one person at the first table to be into the next round. Well, that sounds pretty easy, right? I'm TRG and I got to beat one person at blackjack. Okay. This should not be hard. And then I find out that there is an option where for $100, I can start with 50% more chips than the other people at the table, unless they spend the hundred dollars. So great. This makes sense. If you're not aware, let me, let me stop for just a minute and tell you how blackjack tournaments work. Blackjack tournaments, everybody is given the same amount, or in this case, you could buy an advantage amount of chips. And there is a set number of rounds. Usually it's between 10 and 15 hands. And who bets first changes every hand so that no one gets an advantage. There's a button like poker that moves around to show who plays first to make their bet. And the winner is the person with the most chips after the last hand is played. And there are a couple ways you can approach this. One way is to really slow bet at the beginning, just small table minimum bets, $100 out of $10,000 in chips, and then watch what other people do. And hopefully you're winning and they're going down and they've got to keep betting more and more and more to catch up with you. The other way to go is to be super aggressive and make Big bets right at the beginning, hope you win them, and now you're ahead and other people are chasing you, and you can even maybe throttle back, back down your bets going into the end. So I see that I have a 50% advantage over the other person at the table with me. I'm in good shape because my allies gave me good intel, and so I smart start with small bets. And she starts with, you know, I'm betting 100 and she's betting 1,000, and she's winning and I'm losing. And so now I got to bet a little more. And she continues winning, and I continue losing and losing. I won one hand out of the first 10 hands. One. No place to do anything fancy. No place to split my nines against a dealer's 10 in the hopes of getting more money on the table. No chance to do anything fancy, and I'm not winning. So we count up the chips at hand 10 of 12. And she has closed the gap. She now has chips equal to what I started with. And she has a 50% advantage over me. I'm in a problem here. I have to go all in on hand 11. I have to go all in on hand 11 and win just to have a chance of having the same money as her going into the final round. And then decisions can be made. If she goes all in, I go all in. If she goes small, I go twice what she bet. There are choices there, but I got to win this hand first. She hits her hard 13 against a dealer's six showing. Not a basic strategy play, but a tournament strategy play. And she does this after I didn't hit my hard 14 against a dealer's six. And she gets a bust card. It would have busted the dealer's hand. 
and the dealer draws to 18, and I lose. Well played. She played it perfectly. Can't find fault with her technique. I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative of what she did. I'm not sure what else I could have done. When you win one hand out of 11 in a tournament, you don't have a lot of choices. There isn't a lot you can do there except play it to the best of your ability. And so I'm talking to Ziggy afterwards, and he says, hey, are you going to buy back in? And I said, nope. No, I'm not going to. I tried. I did my best. I lost. I'm not sure what I could have done differently. I am not going to take $300 out of winnings to try again. I've been winning money. It's time to finish my trip, winning more money. It's been cool meeting you. I I got his name and number. He got my business card and my contact information. Great guy. Love to hang out with him again. But I wasn't going to hang around the Tropicana spending money with just a limited chance of actually winning money, even if there was a chance to win a lot of money. Because now at this point, it's Saturday, and I've got the rest of today and the rest of Sunday, and it needs to be about work. It needs to be about work, and it needs to be about about making money. But I'm a little frustrated, because I don't really want to pay for cabs down and back to Circa again. And um, my table choices are really limited in terms of these this part of the strip. Uh, so what am I, th- you know, MGM is still, Mirage is still part of MGM. And Mirage is within walking distance of Flamingo. And Mirage is within walking distance of Bally's. So I'm just going to take a cab down to the Mirage and cross my fingers and see if maybe there's something there that I can make work. And I guess worst case, I'll hit the craps table and use six to win six or something like that. But Mirage is my decision. And I get there and I find out that the one strip of tables that like a year prior had $25 three to two tables, it's back. And I sit down and I settle in and I get bought in and I've been there about 10 minutes and the waitress comes up and I turn to her and I say, I'll take it. And she goes, here you go. I poured your double. I'm sorry. I'd have been here sooner, but I was on break when you got here. Really sorry about you should have had your drink sooner. I told Lisa, my breaker, to make sure she takes care of you. If I'm not around, you're all set. (laughs) So if you don't remember, let me refresh you. A couple visits ago, I spent some time at the Mirage and another player was with me and she insisted that she needed a double and the waitress informed her very nicely, but the waitress informed her that they were not pouring doubles for guests in this part of the casino. And I tipped her well. And the next time the the lady beside me tried to get double pours again and was again told no. And then I got told in a whisper, I'm pouring all yours as doubles. Thank you very much. And she did a good job of taking care of me after that when I was in the Mirage. And, you know, God bless. She remembered me this, what, eight, nine months, a year later, and was apologizing that it took 10 minutes for her to see me and pour my drink. And then she took care of me with the breaker. Just, yo, one of our casino wisdoms is have allies. And that is a great example of having allies. Unfortunately, on this visit to the Mirage, I did not meet my good friend, did not see my good friend, Pear Square, Doug. Not a surprise, but would have been fun to run into him again. I did win a lot of money. And as I said, I was comped at MGM Grand to finish the, for one night to finish my trip. And I realized based on what I had learned, based on my knowledge to steal from Trace, I realized that that was kind of pointless. 
that I was going to have nowhere to gamble other than going back to the Tropicana to that one three to two table or to a craps table, admittedly. And so I went to VIP services. I went to the host in VIP services and it kind of laid it all out. I said, I got one night booked on a comp with this resort credit and this free play down at the Mirage. I've been there or down at MGM Grand. I've been there. They don't have any good blackjack tables. You have great black blackjack tables. You have great weight staff. Can you move me down here for tomorrow night? Would that be possible? And she goes, well, it's Sunday. I don't think we're sold out. Let me see. And she checks and then she makes a phone call and she goes, yep, you're all set. Same comp, same everything. You'll be right here tomorrow. Thanks for asking. We're happy to have you here. And I'm thinking, thank you. Classic example of if you don't ask, you don't get. So I'm all set. I'm all squared away. I send a text message. I reroute my limousine to pick me up on Monday morning. Had a great night won a bunch of money, was able to just play the way I wanted to play, had a great time, head back to Bally's, get up the next morning, grab some food, get checked out, take a cab over to the Mirage because I'm not going to lug my bag all the way down the strip. Once again, that's me getting old, folks. That's me realizing that there are things I just don't want to do if it costs 20 bucks to fix it or 15 bucks to fix it. And so I drop my bags off at the Bell Hop, at the Bell Stand. I'm kind of thinking things through get you inside my head once again. I'm thinking, okay, you're in good shape on the money part of things. You, you've, you've done a good job. You've done what you came here to do. You've had a good time. You want to keep having a good time, but it's 1115. It's 1130. Do you really just want to, with no room, with no way to take a nap, with no way to take a break, really, do you really just want to knock around the casino for what is probably four hours? And maybe just lose some of the money you've won when you're really in a good position to go home with a profit? Does that make sense? I was kind of thinking back because I'd I'd already kind of seen the notes and I'd already kind of seen the script and I knew what Trace and Lana were going to talk about. And I got thinking about their dolphin watching trip when they were going from... I don't, whatever it was, they were going from one hotel to another hotel and they knew they were going to have a break. And so since they couldn't check into the hotel, Trace scheduled a dolphin watching cruise. And I thought, you know, you've always wanted to rent something and go out and see Red Rock. You've been to Las Vegas all these times and you've never been to Red Rock. So found a bar, ordered a mimosa and got on my phone and found a place where I could do a slingshot rental. I looked at renting some cars and just decided to rent a slingshot. If you're not aware, a slingshot is like a little mini three-wheel convertible. It steers with a steering wheel and with traditional car controls, two wheels at the front, one wheel at the back. And so I thought that'd be fun. That'd be a cool thing to just go out, run around Red Rock. Maybe I'd have enough time to run up and down the strip in it and just kind of not work. It's Sunday. I worked all week. On the seventh day, not to be blasphemous, but on the seventh day, TRG rested. TRG took a break from gambling, spent some of his winnings, rented a a slingshot, got out of the gambling space, and just did something else. Just did something touristy. So now I got it. I'm going to tell you a little bit of a quick story because I don't want any of you to think that everything is always just perfect for me. I do not want to give you the impression that I am so great, so amazing, so knowledgeable, uh, blah, 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 that everything is always just perfect. That it's all just roses or guns and roses for TRG. 
I do not skate through casino life. I do walk in really nice boots, but I do not just skate through casino life. It is not all easy. It is not all perfect. And I want to show you that. So I'm booking this trip to Red Rock. I'm, I'm booking this rental and I am picking some of the good options, right? I'm giving myself an extra hour that I'm not sure I need, even though it's going to cost more and I may not use it. And I'm picking the option that says I'm not going to waste time trying to find a gas station and fill the gas tank. I'm going to just pay for a full tank of gas and I know I'm probably not going to use it and I'm just going to waste the equivalent of a couple green chips on gasoline to make my process easier. But as I'm going down through it, there is a very standard Vegas option for $160. They will spend a limo to pick me up and take me to the rental and then bring me back when the rental is done. And I'm thinking that's ridiculous. That's absurd. I have been running all over Las Vegas and I haven't spent much more than $20, including tip on, on any single process of moving from A to B. It can't cost much more than about $20 or less to get to the slingshot rental and get back. And yeah, I'll probably have to have an Uber back. There probably won't be a taxi stand, but no big deal. I'm not going to spend $160 on getting to and from the slingshot rental. That's just ridiculous. So I get it all set up. I got about an hour to get there. I got plenty of time. I can finish my drink. I can play a slot machine on my way out of the Mirage. Off I go. And I go out to the front of the Mirage and I catch a cab and I give the cab the address. 7320, let's say it was. I know it started with a 73. So 7320 South, Summerlin, blah, 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 blah. And he clearly does not speak English. And so I show him in print on my phone the address I need to go to. And now I'm starting to think, this guy would really easily get me to the Bellagio. This guy would really easily get me to the airport. This guy would really easily get me to the stratosphere. He has no idea where this is. And that's proven out because he drives and drives a little bit and pulls into an apartment complex and says, here you go. And I say, well, clearly this is 1400 West Weirn or something like that. Something with W's. I said, I need to go to South Summerlin. This is W's, not S's. And he goes, okay, okay, I find, I find. So now I'm pulling up the nav system on my phone and I'm watching. And he gets to the point where he needs to make a U-turn and he's in the left turn lane. And he sits through four cycles of the light, afraid to make the U-turn. And the whole time, the meter's going click, 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 click. I spent like $3 watching him be afraid to make a U-turn. So now we're on the right path. And I'm watching him go, and he's driving, and he's driving. And I'm like, you need to turn right here, here. You need to turn right here. Sir, you need to... We missed it. And he's like, what? And I said, you, you missed it. I've got navigation right here. Something is wrong. You needed to turn there. Okay, okay, okay. Now he's messing around in his his phone again. And we drive and I say, sir, you need to turn left here and then make a left right away after that. You need to turn left here. He misses the left. He finally pulls in to an industrial park. Nothing really in sight except little small offices that are closed on a Sunday and loading docks. And way off in the distance, off way in the distance, I can see the Orleans Casino. And he says, get out, no charge, get out. And I said, you're 
you're going to, this isn't it. I said, this is not where I need to be. And he says, can't find, get out. And so I see that the meter says 15 bucks and I give him 20 bucks and he goes, no, no, no. And I said, no, you abandoned me. You made my life very difficult, but I am not going to punish you. And yeah, I'm remembering I'm supposed to buy the coffee here a little bit, but I get out of the car. And so now here's TRG in the, the good expensive boots with the jewelry on regretting some of his decisions on what he decided to wear to ride around in a convertible in the desert. And I got my nav and it looks like I can just walk through this industrial park and I will get to a little street that curls around behind the industrial park and gets to where I need to go. I'm really not that far. And there aren't really any good options. I, for 30 seconds or less, considered walking to the Orleans and just giving up. But I was like, no, you're smarter than that. You are. You know that while the Orleans looks relatively close, that's probably a 30 or 40 minute walk. And you don't know where you are. And you don't know where you're going. You need to try to find the rental place. So it is uh, approaching 100 degrees. And I am walking through the industrial park. And I'm walking and I'm walking. And I find the curvy road. And it's admittedly more of an alley than a road, but okay, not bad. And I find this whole uh, yard, uh, cement yard, uh, parking lot, whatever you want to call it, with a 12-foot chain link fence topped with razor wire. And it's full of all kinds of toys. It's full of jet skis and sports cars and limousines and some slingshots. And I'm like, well... Cool, this has got to be the back lot for the place that I'm going. Excellent. I'm just going to follow this curve right around. And I do. And uh, across the alley is a gate that's closed and padlocked that's 12 foot tall, topped with razor wire. On my skinniest day, I was not going to slide between the chains. And on my best day athletically, I was never going to climb this 12 foot fence and get past the razor wire uh, without getting all chopped up not going to happen. So, okay. And I look and through the prom trees over there on my left, I see what looks like a sidewalk and somebody walking on it. And it looks like it curves around and it looks like it might connect to something and I might be able to get to a sidewalk. So, okay. So I head that way and it's not really a sidewalk. It's more of a drainage ditch for lack of a term. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, It's a cement thing to channel water when it rains down into a runoff area. And so I start walking down and I realize that at the bottom of this drainage ditch, there is a homeless encampment. And there was recently flash flooding there so that when they escaped the sewer system because of the flash flooding, they have all their possessions out in this uh, drainage ditch sidewalk. And I am not about to, at uh, my age go walking through in the horseshoe diamond ring and the tiger's eye ring and the Lamborghini watch and the expensive boots casino TRG is just really, really out of place here and real life normally unblinged me not playing the character TRG is really, really out of place here. So I retrace my steps. I get back to a street where I right basically where I had gotten dropped off And I take a look around and I call the rental company and no one is answering. 
And I realized that they'd been texting me earlier. And so I text them and say, I am at blah, 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 blah street. And my cab driver abandoned me. And I've been walking around in the almost hundred degree heat. And can you tell me how to get to where you are? Because I'm not having any luck. And so I start walking in what I think is a reasonable direction and get to a company with a street name and a number. And I take a picture of that and I text it and they say, well, do you see this? And they send me something else. And I'm continuing to walk. I'm keen to walk. And I get to 7320 South Sutherland or whatever it is right there on the side of a great big building that has the correct address and says painting and remodeling. And I'm like, okay, enough. And so I take a picture of that and I text it to him and I said, guys, I'm, I'm at my limit. I'm, I'm at my limit. This is the right address. I don't see you anywhere. I'm too old for this. Um, I'm, I'm going to wait a minute to hear from you. And then I'm, I'm going to call for an Uber and I need to cancel my reservation. And if you want to fight with me about it, then I'm just going to dispute it with my credit card company because I'm not sure what else I could have done here. And I no sooner send that than a limousine pulls up and the window goes down and a hand comes out and says, TRG, would you like some water and a ride? <laughs> so all's well that ends well. It turns out that I was the right place. It was just a great big long set of offices with hedges separating each little different office condo. And so I was at 7320 South Summerlin A and they were like K. If I had known and if I had just kept walking back that parking lot eventually their their suite was at the other end of this whole line of suites and from there it was great and easy they quickly got me checked in they apologized they comped the tank of gas part off and from there everything was great i had a great time i i went out to red rock and uh if you're not aware very unique rock formations very unique canyons the rocks are various shades of red there are various overlooks places to take pictures there are hiking trails there is a loop that i think is three or four miles that you just drive one way all the way through with these places to stop beautiful beautiful place very unique scenery so happy that I did it. Uh, Mrs. TRG saw the pictures and we'll be doing it again. Although I promised her this time we would just do it in a Corvette that we would rent or a Lamborghini that we would rent so that we didn't have to worry about messing up her hair. And I got, got back from that and had enough time to take the, the, the slingshot down the strip, which was a blast. I have a playlist specifically for uh, things like that. I call it the Cowboy Pro- Protocol playlist on my iPhone. It was a lot of fun, right? It was a very TRG moment. Got got the Bose sound system cranked up loud, playing my music in my convertible as as I uh, as I rolled down the strip and took everything from one end to the other, from the Tropicana all the way all the way down to the Stratosphere, and then went back and turned in my slingshot. Uh, grabbed an Uber, quick and easy. They found me nice and fast, took me back to the Mirage, just cost me a few bucks, went and got cleaned up, went and got showered, did a little happy hour in my hotel room, got grabbed a little uh, food from room service, 
and then was able to run a full three-tier Meta Martingale because they had $25 tables that I could start at and they had multiple uh, $100 tables in their high limit room. And here's a little sightseeing thing. Here's a little here's a little sightseeing thing. If you are in the Mirage, go to their high limit room and just take a look at their bar. More specifically, take a look at the blown glass feature above the bar in the high limit room. It is amazing. It is a gla- blown glass sculpture with all these curvy tubes and glass shapes and just amazing. And then very interesting, it reminds me of similar features at Borgata in Atlantic City. Just really cool, becoming one of my, and it's going to change, right? Because Mirage is going away and it's going to become a hard rock and it's going to get a big guitar hotel. And who knows what it's going to be when it's under new ownership fully it's under new ownership as i understand it but it's still being managed as a caesar's property and at some point in the future that's going to change and i have no idea what that change is going to involve but it is one of my favorite places it really is the rooms are great the rooms are a big upgrade over what as much as i love my flamingo and as much as i'm always happy hanging out at bally's rooms there are much better the comp rooms i got there are better than the rooms i got at bally's that's that's for damn sure but had a great last night, had a great way to finish the trip, feel like I finished it smart, did not just hang around all day and lose little bits of money here and there, did something outside the casino, did something touristy, and then came back and had strong runs. Once again, to point you to Instagram, there I know there's at least one picture that Billy with the great last name put up on Instagram in, in black and white for me, where I was just stacking chips and drinking my drinks and stacking chips and had a wait staff that was an ally and multiple tables to pick from. And so I could run the whole process, win money, color up, take a break, go look at the volcano, come back, play again. An excellent trip. In combination with Mrs. TRG's efforts, in our local casino and at the horse track and picking up our free stuff, we finished the week with a profit of 20 days pay after expenses. I had about 10 days pay of expenses. So you can see that I won plenty of money and paid the bills. And that is using casino combat to live a casino lifestyle. That is me illustrating that what I said all the way back in episodes one, two, and three is absolutely correct, accurate, and true. You can take the casino combat arsenal. You can take the things I've talked about. You can win the comps. You can win the discounts. You can win the free play. You can win the free resort credits to have money to spend. And you can live a casino lifestyle. Now they say whoever they are, but they say that what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And I just told you I won plenty of money while I was there. And they also tell you that pride comes before a fall. The latter is very true, and I proved it. The former is not true. I brought home what happened in Vegas, and I'm going to share it with you in the Virtual VIP Lounge. It is a tale of failure and redemption, a tale that will put that $20 20 days pay after expenses in a very, very different light, I suspect. It is going to show you that while what I told you is true, from another point of view, it is even a bit more amazing and a bit more tragic. So, let's pop some bottles. A little bit of the bubbly. 
Welcome to the most must-listen-to moment in reality, Casino Lifestyle Podcasting, the Casino Combat Virtual VIP Lounge, where we have the best virtual everything virtually all the time. Trace did leave me a few locally bottled, handcrafted artisanal root beers, and let me look. Yes, Lana left some sliders and a really nice note. I like to share my mistakes. Actually, no, I don't really like to share my mistakes. That's not the right way to say that. I feel it's important that I share my mistakes. And what I teach, the mistakes show, in my opinion, that what I teach and share isn't too good to be true. It's true. It's damn true, the things I share with you. And that means I also share mistakes. That means I make mistakes. That means I don't tell you that I always win. Let's talk about a series of mistakes I made in this Vegas trip. The very Vegas moment that got created by the mistakes that I made. And as I said, a tale of failure and redemption that I would only share with friends in a VIP lounge. So grab a virtual something of your choice. If you can, press pause and join me in a real life something of your choice. I am going to press pause on the record machine here, and I am going to get a little Jack Daniels to go with one of Trace's root beers. This story needs something with a little kick in it from my point of view. The series of mistakes. Where does that series of mistakes start? The series of mistakes started before I even left town. And I've told you parts of this, and I'm now going to tell you it again from a slightly different point of view, from a VIP lounge friends having drinks point of view. I told you Mrs. TRG was going to do some gambling on her own, and she wanted to make sure that she had plenty of money. Not a problem. I had plenty of money in my vests and my safes. I'd been winning like crazy for months. I'd been paying for stuff with cash. I'd just grab some cash out of my vest and add it to her casino bag. No problem. She also wanted me to check the bank accounts and pay bills and make sure the money was right there since she wasn't going to get a paycheck while I was gone and we had just spent a week on the road gambling and spending. Good idea. Great thought. There were some things that needed to be shored up a little bit. There was some money that be needed to be moved around. There were some bills that needed to get paid. No problem. Money from the vest once again. Busy few days at home between trips. Kind of rushing in and rushing out. Which brings us to Thursday night in Las Vegas and that high limit room at the Flamingo. You may recall that I got frustrated with the lack of three to two tables and decided to just play $100 hands and skip the Benna Martingale process. And I made that decision with actually counting my money on hand and confirming that I was properly funded for doing all that. Pride goes before a fall. And I was full of pride since I was winning so consistently for so many months. You'll also recall that I spent a block of time just hanging out and drinking at the Cromwell because I like to hang out and drink at the Cromwell. I said already that that's probably not something I would have advised a sober me to do. So the stage is set. A well-pre-gamed TRG walks into the Flamingo High Limit room and finds not one but two $50 tables in High Limit that pay three to two on a blackjack. And we've got good other rules in addition. Perfect. I can do a two-tier Meta Martingale. Here I go. Time to make some money. Let's go. Let's do this. I join a table with three other players and quickly find out that they are Marines on leave. They are drinking something called Afghani Car Bombs. That involves Jaeger and some Red Bull and some other liquor. And they love the vest. They insist that I join them. They insist that I have Afghani Car Bombs with them. And I insist that I get to pay all the tips for every round. Sounds like fun. It actually was a lot of fun. 
and I hit a quick negative exit at the $50 level, real quick. Move up to the next tier of the Meta Martingale, $100 unit size. Now, Trace told you that about a great hand he played at Philly Live where he had a big bet out, third tier of the Meta Martingale, and ended up splitting it three times and doubling it twice and winning all five wagers. Great story for him to tell. A lot of fun, I'm sure. I get the opposite. Eights, split four times, doubled once. And I'm pulling cash out of my vest like crazy to make all these bets. Hands of 18, 19, and a double of one hand to 20, and the dealer's got a five showing. And I'm feeling good in all kinds of ways. Dealer draws a five card, 21. I should be done. Not only is that a negative exit from the last tier of the Meta Martingale, that's a big loss to reach that negative exit. That is a bunch of days pay gone. I should be done. I should be done for the evening. Maybe I'm done for the evening as after I play a little bubble craps or hit a slot machine as I walk back to Bally's. That's what I should have done. But my Marine Corps buddies have ordered another round of Afghani car bombs and they want me to stick around and they're telling me I'll get it back and we're having fun. I told you a tragic tale of bad choices. The combination of pride and feeling bulletproof is all going on. And obviously the Afghani car bombs have helped my decision making. I'm sure my decision making is rock solid. So I decide, sure, why not? I'll do one more cycle. So back to $50, negative exit, more car bombs, up to $100 a hand, seven split three times with a three unit bet, doubled once, pushed one, lost the rest, one more car bomb on the way out. I'm done for the night. Back to Bally's. Couple of more drinks in the room. Now here's the thing. I'm a funny guy when I've had a few too many. I really, really am. The next morning, my alarm goes off, and it sounds like this. You gotta help me out. It's all a blur last night. And so I kind of wake up, and there's a note on the nightstand with a glass of water, and it says, You mad yet, bro? So I head into the bathroom. Oh, it said, Are you mad yet, bro? TRG. So that's a note from podcast me to real me. So I head to the bathroom and a note there says, bro, you didn't check your pockets last night. It's coming back to me. I open the app. The results are matching what I remember. That's good and bad, right? I got the accountability right, even well under the influence. But those numbers are bad. <laughs> those numbers are really, really bad. And I really have no clue what I started the trip with. And I have really no clue without looking at the app in the spreadsheet, how much I've been spending or how much I really had. And I start counting money from my vest pockets and I check the chip pocket, hoping there are some chips there. And I didn't go to the cage on my way out. I did. There are no chips. It's Friday. I'm in Vegas until Sunday. I have less than a day's pay in cash. After walking around that city for 24, 36, 48 plus hours, feeling unbeatable, king of the world, money for everything. I got less than a day's pay in cash. And this is the worst feeling. This is the worst. Uh, I've been there once, once. Happened to me decades and decades ago when I was very much still learning. I am almost broke on a solo gambling trip in Las Vegas. And it is not a good place to be. 
I go back through all my records. I go back through all my notes. I go back through all the, the bank transactions. And I start seeing that in my rush to get in and out of town, in my rush to make everything right for Mrs. TRG and to get all the bills paid, I really, as I said, hadn't looked at my bankroll at all. Yes, my bankroll was more than fine, more than fine for just a, a, a day of gambling locally. Frankly, more than fine for a Meta Martingale cycle or even two at reasonable limits. And sure, I had been winning before I decided to just play at a higher level. But I had also been spending and tipping like I had been winning. Took a lot of cabs, bought a lot of air quotes supplies on the way coming into town. Okay, at breakfast, with a clear head, I think through the plans. I've prepped for this for over two years. I am really not broke in Las Vegas. I'm really not. I got money in my real safe at home, and that doesn't help. And I've got my cloud, I've got, I've got my cloud safes. I'm, I'm okay. I am not broke in Las Vegas. I go to the ATM, pull out money from the cloud safes. I've got money to play with. If it's a horrible day and I lose it all, I can repeat the process again the following day if I need to. I can function and function just fine. I'm not going to be playing $100 tables, but I have money to play with. And I have money to play, without, play with without taking a cash advance on a credit card. I got money to play with without calling Mrs. TRG and asking her to take money out of this, a real safe and wire it to me. And boy, that would be an embarrassing and difficult phone call, wouldn't it? That would not have been a fun call. And she would not have enjoyed in all the stuff she had going on trying to find time to go to and understand how Western Union works. Now I got to get back to work until it's time to register for the blackjack tournament. I said in the travel segment that I gambled in and around Bally's and played bubble craps. All true from a certain point of view but also true that I needed to do those things that way to try to start the process of recovering from the night before. Other than craps, the games and rules available were not good. My solution, in addition to the craps and the bubble craps, I did a lot of hit and run. I did a lot of win four to six units at a table with horrible rules and get up and get out with that small win. Lots of small hits at bubble craps, just rebuilding bit by bit, piece by piece. Then a couple of nice wins at the Tropicana during tournament registration. By the time I got to Circa, I had rebuilt my bankroll enough to be comfortable. By the time I finished the tournament, I was able to comfortably do full Meta Martingale cycles with visits to high limits. By Sunday morning, I felt good taking time off, not putting money at risk, and spending money on some sightseeing. I was able to finish off with a winning evening and go home with plenty of winning to reload my cloud safe and then make a series of small choices with the profits. I also realized something when I got home. I did a good job in Las Vegas of eating right and sleeping well. While I enjoyed my drinks, I really never overdid it except for one night. That said, I do need to remember that I am almost 60, not almost 40. 80 days of anniversary vacation followed by three days at home and then seven days in Vegas is a lot to take on at this point. Mrs. TRG and I made all the decisions together. Plenty of money was won to pay for everything. A profit was generated. Stories were collected that are worth telling. But maybe I can do all that a bit more slowly the next time around. Please tip your waitresses, tip your bartenders, tip your dealers. If you have a host, tip your host. Don't tip away your wins. I've spoken. Everything you heard here is true. From a certain point of view, it's time for leaving. And I hope you understand I was born a rambling man. Love it, hate it, it don't matter. Please share with your family and friends. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you so much for listening.